Well, good evening, everyone. It's um, our usual Wednesday night, and um, I normally like to give the weather forecast or situation before we start the service. So welcome to everyone joining us um, in church tonight, physically, and those following us online. Uh, we want to say welcome to our Wednesday night. It was a cold day in Canada, and anyone that went ahead and planted tomatoes would have a pleasant surprise of withered plants. So it's not the time for planting. And normally in Canada, if you're listening from India or you're listening from overseas, in Canada, planting time starts the uh, last weekend in May. And that is when you have to still follow the weather because you can have frost and it will destroy all your plants. One day you might have a 70 degrees Fahrenheit uh, before that time, and the next day would go down to freezing point. It's unpredictable. That's why they said, if your mind is like the weather, that's not good. Anyways, we're glad you're following with us online tonight, and we want to start with prayer before we get into singing. So please join me in prayer as we bring the work of God uh, into the presence of the Lord. <clears throat> Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight for the privilege you've given to us that we can call upon your name, believing with all assurance in our hearts that you will listen to us and hear our prayers. Tonight, we thank you, Father, for being such a wonderful Father for being such a compassionate and loving God. Thank you for your grace and your mercy that has reached out and saved us wretched, miserable sinners and has changed many of our lives, Father, and you're in the process of continually change, changing our lives. We thank you, Father. We thank you for so many things, O oh God, for health, for strength, for the fact that we can come on into your church and put our trust and confidence in thee. Thank you, Lord, that you kept our homes free from vandalism and break-ins. Thank you that you kept us safe on the highways, uh, free from accidents. Oh, God, we thank you. We bless your name. We honor your name. Tonight, Lord, we pray for our local church, first of all, every child of God that's following us online, locally, and those that are here, those that are not well in their bodies, Father, we bring them before you tonight. We pray that you'll please let your mercy and your healing virtues flow into our lives. Lord, whether it be spiritual healing or physical healing, we pray that you'll heal your people, Father. And we appreciate your hand working in our lives. When it's chastisement, O oh God, to save us, we pray you'll give us grace to endure to the end. Tonight, we remember all our churches. Father, here in North America, in the United States, and Canada, and we remember our assemblies in Africa and in India and in the Caribbean and other parts of the world, in England. Guyana, Lord, we pray for every one of our assemblies. We pray to you to touch men of God, touch their minds, 
Help us not to just be involved in religion, Father, but to serve you acceptably, to do what your will demands of us. We pray for our service tonight that you'll give us guidance. Thank you, Lord, for helping us over these past months and over these past years. Pray you'll continue to strengthen us and help us, Father. Bless the worship tonight. Help us to honor thee and to place thee in the right place, in our, not only verbally, Lord, but in our hearts. Lord, be our Heavenly Father forever. Thank you for your Son, Jesus, who died for us. Pray that the cleansing effect of his blood, Lord, shed on Calvary 2,000 years ago would continuously work in our lives. Bless the service again, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you. 
night improves and I say improve because I pray that God would give me direction concerning the Wednesday night and the attendance that we have and I remember when I came to Canada in 1980 I remember those days were wonderful days days where Wednesday night people love God so much that they will carry their suits to work in a suit bag. And then they'll come to church straight from work on Wednesday night, change and sit in the service without even going home for dinner. And we'll have a packed out service on a Wednesday night. Uh, we had church all the time. We had church on a, a Saturday night uh, we had church on a Sunday at 1 o'clock. Then we had church on a Sunday night. Um, all those services, we'd have a full band playing. Then 
we had church on a Wednesday night also. So Saturday night, Sunday, Sunday night, and Wednesday were four services. Then on Tuesdays and Thursdays, we had prayer meeting. Um, perilous time will come upon the, the church, Paul uh, wrote to Timothy and he said perilous times shall come upon the church and I maybe that's where I want to just refresh our minds here tonight um, right now Canada has entered into the largest strike that they have ever had uh, the federal government cannot um, compromise enough with their staff and so since the strike is on the employees are looking forward for a 13% increase in three years and the government is only giving them 9% um, I'm thinking maybe I should strike and have the church give me some percentage no we are here <laughs> preaching the gospel I remember when I started in Canada, I received $100 a week from the church. Remember that, Brother John? Brother John was a treasurer at that time. Anyways, there's a strike that's on, and it will affect, affect the economy of the country uh, because consumers and merchants coming across the border would be restricted, it would be a slowdown on the border because all the immigration officers and custom officers, they are on strike. And so border crossing would be a hassle getting across and going across. And um, God knows everything. He knows what's happening. He knows all of this will happen. But we're living in a terrible time if it's not a pandemic uh, it's someone wanting to promote immorality. Uh, if it's not someone fighting for some ungodly rights, uh, the only people that are not sounding their voice are the Christians wanting godly rights. Uh, we don't lift our voice at all. Uh, they're big churches with thousands of people. You think they would lift their voice? No. Uh, we are afraid, we're intimidated. And so the church is suffering. And so I pray that God in these days, would you rekindle the love that people had for you? Now you might have an excuse for not being in church here in, local, in the local church or wherever you are, whichever country you are listening to me. You might have a good reason for not coming to church on a certain day. And it's a good thing to examine that reason and see if you were God, would you accept that as an excuse? When I was growing up, uh, I was told that an excuse is sometimes a lie, sausage or stuffed in the skin of a reason. And uh, we make excuses. And I think the reason why church is struggling on a Wednesday night and on a Saturday night sometimes, is because people stop loving God like they used to. When you love God, you make a way to serve Him. You make an effort. 
In Guyana, when we had church, uh, saints would walk for miles, walk for miles, five, six miles to come to church. And then when church is done, walk back the same distance. Uh, Paul writing to Timothy, uh, he says here, concerning the work of God, he says, perilous times shall come. And this is a sad period of time. Uh, let me find that here in First Timothy. Uh, he says, um, let me find the verse of scripture I want. In Second Timothy chapter 3, Paul is writing to Timothy, his spiritual son. He says, and this know also, that in the last days, and I'm sure he was not even thinking of our days, but last days include our days. In the last days, perilous times shall come. See, Paul said this in 864. He says, there's coming a time when the work of God would suffer, when community would suffer, and the reason he's giving here, he says, men shall be lovers of their own selves. And that's one of the reasons why individuals fail to love God, because they love themselves. Uh, they, Jesus told, us, uh, uh, he told a little account, he gave a little account of the two men that went into the temple to pray. Um, he said, uh, one was a, Pharisee and one was a publican and I can uh, brother John help me find that scripture I think it's in Luke Luke chapter 18 verse 11 I'm coming back to, to Timothy but in Luke chapter 18 two men went into the temple to pray and verse 10 verse 9 and he spake this parable concerning uh, a parable unto certain which trusted in themselves. Now here is a problem. Uh, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, but delights himself in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. The scripture says in Proverbs, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. If I were the devil, I will try to create situations in such a way that people will lose their trust in God and trust in everything else. Today, we trust the medical profession, we trust financial institutions, for even personal entertainment, we trust the ungodly Hollywood and the systems of this world. Trusting God is almost a mission impossible. But if we trust in the Lord, with all our hearts, Solomon says, it shall be held to my navel and marrow to my bones. I cannot have confidence in the flesh.
Now I'm trying to go a bit slow here tonight. So I have my finger in Luke 18. I've got uh, scripture marked out in 2 Timothy chapter 3. And I'm going back into the Old Testament here, into Proverbs, into the uh, writings of Solomon, Proverbs chapter 6. Um, uh, let's see here, chapter 3. He says in verse 5, he says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. All your heart. You know, your heart is not the pump that pump your blood. The heart is describing the seat of affection, your love, your devotion. And so the Solomon is saying, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And when you do that, you cannot lean on to your own understanding or anyone else's understanding. When Solomon was writing this, there was no internet. There was no Google. There was no way to access YouTube and some of these means that you want to find out what's wrong with you. Uh, we had a little funny story about individuals that go to the doctor and say, Doc, I'll tell you what's wrong with me. No, go and let the doctor tell you what's wrong with you. Because I've, I've speculated a lot of times on conditions that I might have and I was oh so wrong. But when we lean to our own understanding or we lean to the understanding of someone else, it destroys our confidence and trust in God. Really, it does. And so Solomon says, lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, give God the benefit of the doubt. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And what God will do, he will start direct your paths. He will lead you on a day by day. You know, David said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. If the Lord is your shepherd, you don't lead him, he leads you. And when the Lord has that privilege of leading you because you submit yourself to him, you'll find green pastures. He leads you into green pastures and into still waters that you can satisfy your spiritual needs. And so, be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Solomon is going on, and we can go to this whole chapter. He says, it shall be health. Well, what is saying, for me to get health today, I need 20,000 units of vitamin D. I need a multivitamin. Well, we might need that, you know. When God put Adam in the Garden of Eden, he told Adam, eat of all the trees. Well, if Adam says, well, I'm a child of God, I'm not going to eat. He says, don't eat of one tree. But he says, you can eat of all the other trees. So Adam says, well, I'm not going to eat of any tree at all. I'll tell you what would happen. He would die. Because it's disobeying God. And we must take necessary precaution 
I'm not against multivitamins because the food we, we produce in society is not sufficient enough to give our body what it needs. But as I pop the vitamins down, does it take away my trust in God? If it does, stop drinking it. But I can eat my food, drink my vitamins, trust the things that keep me on a daily basis going on, but I must give God the praise because if God is not touching the doctor that touches you, the doctor can't help you. See, Paul, the apostle, had a doctor that accompanied him. Paul had a thorn in the flesh. And men in the Bible, like myself included, I'm not in the Bible, but myself included, we age after a while. One of the worst questions you can ask me in these days that we're living is, how was your day? And I would answer like this, you really don't want to know. Some days are not good, especially days when you're trying to get work done and you can only do one mile an hour. And then you try to find individuals out in society that you can hire to get the work done and everyone is too busy with their own little affairs and they want an arm and a leg. We're living in a bad time. We're living in a time where men are concerned about their own selves more than they're concerned about the work of God. But we're at that point in time where we'll age. Abraham was a wonderful man, but he aged. Every great man in the Bible had to die. And they did not die because they were healthy. They died because this body lasts only so much. And I'm thankful to God that I'm 74. I passed the three score and 10, and I'm on the other side. But every day is a different day. Every day there are disappointments, there are aches in your body, but there are disappointments with people. You get more, there's more aches coming from being disappointed with people than it comes from this being disappointed with yourself. It breaks your heart to see the work of God tormented. It breaks your heart to see people, ministers, that are supposed to be dedicated, slip into a formality of religion. It breaks your heart to see saints that were once willing and able to serve God fall away in their dedication and commitment. The work of God suffers. I remember uh, the church door. You see, we have a church door and it needs repair, right? And Sister Cindy, I remember your thousand dollars that you give towards that church door. And we'll put that back in towards the door. But you know, someone called me recently. And I'm thinking, Brother Joe and I, we try to fix it. Uh, tomorrow we're going to do some more work on it. Uh, just to keep it going until we can get a man to fix it properly. We want to replace it, not fix it. We want to replace that door completely. And, you know, someone called me yesterday and said to me, 
I'm about to write you a letter, but I think I can talk to you rather than writing you a letter. Long distance call. And I'm listening to that. She said, you know, I dreamt I was in church with my husband in Mississauga. And when the service was going on, my husband got up and testified. And actually testified preach. And that was wonderful. And she said in the dream, he said to me, when we're church was done, he said, you got your checkbook? She says, no, I, I don't walk to, with my checkbook when I come to Canada. He says, well, when you get back home, I want you to send a check. And he told her how much to write that check for. Because they need to fix the door of the church. This was before she heard online that we have a broken door. So she said, I wanted to write you a letter and let you know that this is what happened. And when I hear you talking about you and Brother Joe online trying to fix the door, I knew my dream was real. Isn't that something? You see... When, when the godly people fail to fulfill their obligation, when the people said, stop your disciples saying, Hosanna in the highest, Jesus says, if I stop them, the rocks will cry out and praise God. When we fail to fulfill our commitment, God will send in individuals to take your place. Don't give up your place. Treat your position and membership in the church as very serious. And very spiritual. And so Solomon said here in, in Proverbs, the third chapter, he says, Be not wise, verse 7, Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. You know, that's all. If we can do that. If I can fear the Lord and depart from evil, I'll be in the kingdom of God. Amen. But I have to recognize what fearing the Lord is, and what departing from evil, and what is evil, because evil has changed its appearance in our day. Evil has taken on, even the devil is transformed as an angel of light, and he preaches the gospel. I pray every day that God would help me, that I would not be an angel of light preaching the gospel to destroy the people listening to me. I pray that with the words that come out of my mouth would be what God has ordained for me to say to a congregation. And like these men in the Old Testament, we're not going to live forever. We are not going to live forever. And it is good that we can save some of these messages. That when we are gone, they can be used to help individuals. This book is not complete. When the New Testament was not written, they thought it, the Old Testament was complete. And then as time went by, Jesus came. And the apostles came. And when Paul starts to write letters, they, some people say, oh, he's just writing letters. No, he was writing what the church needed to move itself forward. And God must move us on to, to give us direction in this day of evil. 
He must raise up men that can recognize evil as evil changes. God must help us to have a message to deal with evil in our day. Otherwise, overcomers will not be produced. And so back here in Timothy, uh, Paul is saying here in 2 Timothy chapter 3, he says, know this also. He's telling his son Timothy, he says that in the last days, perilous times shall come. You know, you and I are living in perilous times. We look at the church, we look at society, I'm thinking of the strike. No one considers that millions of dollars would be lost by a simple strike that is a result of greed. If I get paid half of what one of those federal employees get paid, I'm a happy man. But they can never, greed makes us never, we're never happy enough with what we've got. We want something else. It's a terrible thing. And Paul says, For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to natural parents and spiritual parents. He says, Unthankful and unholy. If we love God, the work of God would not suffer. But God owns his church. He will never allow the church to suffer. We have been here in Canada for 42 years. And we never bounced a check. Started in a, base, in, in a storefront. Moved to a basement. Bought our first building. This is our second building. Never bounce a check. Yet we can help the work in Haiti. We can help people in India when we can. Help people right now. I'm, I'm, I'm helping out a little bit in, in Bangladesh. Chandri is helping every month in Haiti. There's always somebody you can help. There's, you just can't be someone living in an island by yourself. We help Every month we send a nice little offering to sister in, in Cameroon. And when I looked at the boys growing up, they're getting tall. Their father was a part of this church for four years. Went back and he died in Cameroon. We can't just abandon them. And it, it fulfills a purpose in our lives. Thank you, every one of you, that has been a part of this supporting our sister in, in Cameroon. Amen? And so Paul is went, going on here, he says, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent. And he goes on and on and on. He says, having a form. All of this, people that are lovers of themselves and covetous and all of that, he said, that's in the church. He says, they have a form of godliness, but they don't have the power of God. Verse 5, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. He says, from such, we turn away. Today, 
We can have a wonderful service, but do we really have the power of God? We're not going to have the power of God unless someone pray and fast and seek after God. And I remember that time sitting in Des Moines in a convention. And it was the first vision and the only vision I really saw. I'm sitting there in that convention and I closed my eyes while Brother Goodwin was preaching. And when I closed my eyes, I saw the entire convention on their knees. Entire convention on their knees. And right above the pews, maybe about five feet above the pews, there was a, a light. The light was not going up all the way to, to the ceiling, but the light was like three feet in width. And it covered the entire congregation. And when I saw that in my vision, I opened my eyes because you never had a vision before. You want to see if this is really happening. It was gone. I remember telling the pastor at that time for that church. And I said, I'm going to look forward for that time. When I'm going to see that Shekinah glory of God resting over the church. And over God's people. But you know what the people were doing? Tell me. They were on their knees praying. And I've gone to many, many meetings. And hope one meeting I'll go and see everybody on their knees praying. Without prayer, we don't have power. No prayer, no power. We can shake, we can shout, we can make noise, we can do all of that. No prayer, no power. And the best person to ever think of is Jesus. And this is our hope. In this age that we're living in, do we have hope? Yes, we have hope. In Matthew's gospel, Jesus made a statement like this. In the of Ma sixth chapter of Matthew's gospel, he was praying. His disciples came to him and says, teach us to pray. And Jesus said here in verse 9 of Matthew chapter 6, he says, after this manner, pray therefore ye. Pray therefore, ye, therefore pray ye. Our Father, which art in heaven. So it's okay to pray to the Father. Someone uh, the entire Jehovah's Witness believe that you don't pray to any father. You pray to call God Jehovah. But Jesus called his father, father. Wasn't that something? And Jesus said, our father which art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. And then he made a statement here, which I want to talk a little bit about to you. I've got ten minutes to go. He says... Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Now that one verse gives me hope. When I look at governments not doing the right thing, when I look at riots all over, when I see disaster and fire destroying places and an earthquake destroying and catastrophes happening and riots all over, I have concern about where this world is heading. But I remember the prayer of Jesus. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth. And this is what 
the angel Gabriel, if we back up to the first part of Matthew's gospel, when Matthew is, is describing this birth of Jesus in the first chapter of Matthew's gospel, when this angel came to Mary, and the angel appeared to Mary, and this angel said, let me find the verse here. He says here in verse 20. And Mary, verse 8, 18, it says, Now the birth of Jesus was on this wise. When his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found the child of the Holy Ghost. And Joseph, her husband, wanted to put her away. I think Luke's gospel gives us a better description of this angel talking to Mary. And I have my finger in Matthew's gospel. I have my finger in Luke's gospel. Are you with me here? All right. And so in Luke's gospel, it says in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto the city of Galilee, named Nazareth, to a virgin, espoused to a man whose name was Joseph, and he was of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Now, this is what Luke is writing. Now, Luke was not one of the disciples. Luke was a doctor. And Luke had gathered his information from various sources. And so he probably took some from Peter, some from, from Matthew, some from John, put it all together, and he came up with this conclusion. And the angel came to Mary, and the angel said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw the angel, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this is. And the angel said, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. Now, someone says, well, you know, that's a Christmas story. No, it's not. It's a kingdom story. And his name shall be called Jesus, and what shall he do? Sit in a manger and have shepherds come and visit him? No, it's more than that. He shall be great. And shall be called the son of the highest, mean the son of God. And the Lord God shall give to him the throne of his father David. Say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. Is the will of God being done on earth today? No, the will of man is being done. The will of the devil is being done. But the prayer of Jesus has a lasting eternal effect. And he says, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And the angel said here in verse 32, and he shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give to him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Well, the disciples had that problem in Acts, the very first chapter. 
We are leaving some scriptures and we're moving on to the other. In Acts, the very first chapter, when Jesus was about to go up into heaven, the disciples came to him and says, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom? The desire of every one of his disciples was to see the kingdom of God established on this earth. And when they were there, they asked, will you at this time restore the kingdom? Verse chapter 1 of Acts and verse um, 5, John writes, For John truly, Jesus said, For John truly baptize you with water, but he shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. And when they therefore were come together, all his disciples that followed him for three and a half years, like tradition says, they asked him, Lord, Jesus, this promise that God made to Mary, the promise that Isaiah talked about, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and his name shall be called Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Is this prophecy being fulfilled in our time? Are you going to establish the kingdom in our time? Jesus said unto them, they said, Will thou establish, restore the kingdom to Israel at this time? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times, he knew the times, nor the seasons which the Father has put in his own power. He says, But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And so what happened, the promise of God to establish the kingdom was not established at the first advent. And so when the disciples stood up there, he says, you go back to Jerusalem and wait for the Holy Ghost to fill you. And as they were looking, Jesus was taken up from them. He was on Mount Olivet, taken up in a cloud. And they saw him go up and disappear in a cloud. And while they were looking there in astonishment, two men, two angelic beings in verse 11 stood before them, verse 10 says, men stood before them in white apparel, angels, and says, you men of Galilee, why are you gazing up into heaven? They were still looking up, seeing where Jesus went. This same Jesus, which is taken from you into heaven, shall come as you see him in like manner to this earth. See, Jesus is coming back to establish the kingdom. When Christmas time comes around and we sing Christmas carols, among the many Christmas carols is a carol that says, Joy to the world, the Lord is come. It is not a Christmas carol. When Isaac Watts wrote that, that, that carol, he didn't think they were going to sing it Christmas time. He wrote it because it was singing about the kingdom of God. When Jesus comes back and he establishes the kingdom of God here on this earth. And man's government, man's evil government shall be brought to north. And the government of God shall be established. And Jesus will sit on the throne of his father David and reign from Jerusalem. And Isaac Watts, when he wrote that, and I don't me can memorize the whole thing, but he says, Joy to the world, the Lord is come. 
Let earth receive her king. Let every heart, not a single one not being touched, let every heart pe prepare him room. And heaven will sing, and nature, the plant life, the earth, everything that exists on this planet will also sing. Heaven and nature sing. And that entire carol that was sung for many years as a Christmas carol is really a kingdom carol. And to make this all, put this all in a quick nutshell, here in Isaiah chapter 11, it describes Jesus when he comes back and sits on the throne of David. Very briefly, I'll touch this here and then we'll take it up on the weekend. Further on. And it says here, and they shall come forth. Isaiah chapter 11 verse 1. And they shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse. Jesse was David's father. Jesus will sit on the throne of David. And it says, and a branch, capital B for branch. The King James translators are putting it because it describes Jesus. And a branch shall grow out of his roots. And there'll be seven spirits of God that will rest on him. It says, and the spirit of the Lord, spirit number one. And the spirit of wisdom, spirit number two. And the spirit of understanding, spirit number three. And the spirit of counsel, number four. Spirit of might, number five. Spirit of knowledge, number six. And the spirit of the fear of the Lord, number seven, shall rest on this one being that sits on the throne of David. I mean, he would be the most powerful individual that this world will ever have. Can we, can we hope and anticipate for the kingdom of God to come? Yes, we can. When you read the last verse of the book of Revelation, don't leave Isaiah chapter 11, but the last verse of the book of uh, Revelation, when John is writing, you know what John says, the last verse, the last part of the book of Revelation in chapter 22? John says here that in the 20th verse, he says, He which testified these things says, Surely I come quickly. And John says, Even so, come quick, come, Lord Jesus. I am praying, Lord Jesus, can you come? Can you help this world? No human government will ever bring peace on this earth. That is why he is called the Prince of Peace. He's called the King of Kings, not yet, but to happen. He's the Prince of Peace. He'll be the Lion of the tribe of Judah. He will sit on the throne of David. He's the branch. He's the rock of ages. He's, he is the morning star. He's the one that shall be called Emmanuel, which is God with us. And sit on the throne to govern this world. Man's government must be brought to naught. And that is why John says, I see a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven was passed away. And God says, I will make all things new. We must pray and live for God today. That the kingdom of God will be established. Very briefly, five more minutes of your time. And it says there, and he shall be of quick understanding. 
in the fear of the Lord. And he shall not judge after the sight of his eyes. You know, I might look at you and I'm judging you because you don't look good. I passed by you, you didn't tell me good morning. I said, why do you hate me? You see, I judge according to the seed, seeing of my eyes. But when he sits on the throne, he's not judging according to what he sees. He's judging righteous judgment that comes from God. And it says, he shall judge not after the sight of his eyes, neither reprove after the hearing of his ears. But with righteousness, righteousness shall he judge the poor. Judge is not a bad word. Judge means rule over or govern the poor. And reprove the, with equity the meek of the earth. And he shall smite the earth with a rod of his mouth. Uh, that is the word of God comes out of his mouth. And it will bring peace. It will destroy evil and bring peace and establish peace on the earth. That is what it says here. And, and with his breath shall he slay the wicked. All wickedness would be eliminated from this earth when Jesus comes back and establishes the kingdom. Am I having hope? Yes, I do. You look around, there's evil. You look to the right, there's evil. You look to the left, there's evil. You look to the bank, there is no hope. You look to society, there is no hope. And that is why my hope, thy kingdom come, O God. And thy will be done on earth. And Jesus, uh, Isaiah went on. He says, And righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins, and faithfulness the girdle of his reins. And when he establishes peace, heaven and nature will sing. The lion would not be carnivorous. It will lose its carnivorous nature. It says, everybody, verse 6, if you got your Bibles, and the wolf also shall dwell with the lamb. The wolf would not be eating of the lamb. No, the, God will change the nature of the wolf and the lion and the tiger. And it says, and the leopard shall lie down with the kid, little goat. They'll play. They will not devour each other and fight. It says, and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together. And a little child don't need a doll. They will play with the animals. And listen to this. And the cow and the bear shall feed, to their young, feed, uh, feed together. And the young ones shall lie down together. And the lion shall eat straw like the ox. Won't that be a day when you can pat a lion on his head? Yes. Well, the Bible tells us when the kingdom of God is established, the curse would be lifted off this earth. And there'll be peace and tranquility. That's why he's called the Prince of Peace. It says, And the suckling child shall play on the hole of the asp. Deadly poisonous snake today would not be deadly and poisonous in the kingdom of God. The curse would be lifted. And the weaned child shall put his hand on the cockatrice's den. And this is the last verse I'm going to use. And you know what makes a difference? It says, they shall not hurt. No one will hurt, and no one will destroy another one. In all my holy government, my holy mountain, saith the Lord, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord, as the waters cover the sea. You know, today, if your heart is filled with the knowledge of God, 
evil is eliminated. Amen. Sister told me, she said, you know, I listen to your messages, Brother Singh, and it has changed my attitude to people. She says, I make sure when I'm driving, I give people the right of way. I make sure when I'm in the grocery store, I don't push people out of my way. I'm nice to everyone. And she says, thank you for preaching the gospel you preach. It is changing my life. And when I tell this church I don't have enemies, I don't have enemies. Any man I meet on the street is a good man. Even the man that's evil can be saved because the grace of God has no limits. It's the unmerited favor of God. Even so, Lord, would you come quickly and may God's kingdom be established on this earth. If ever there was a time when we need to pray, come quickly, Lord Jesus, and establish God's kingdom, it is in these days. Join me in prayer. Father, we thank you for this service tonight. We thank you, Father, for the hope that you placed in our hearts. Oh God, we ask even so that you would help us to survive this evil society we're living in, Father. Help us not to come on there, it's evil influence. Save us, please, Father. Would you build the church today? More than ever, would you give us faithful saints in church? that will put you on the highest pedestal in their lives, Father. Don't give us lip worshipers, Father, but sincere children of God that will become a nucleus in the church that you can use. When the temple would be measured, the altar measured, and them that worship therein would be measured, we are desirous of having you pour your spirit upon us and your anointing and power that will lead the church forward. Thank you for the hope of the kingdom. Bless every child of God tonight, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.